The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Let no man pull you so low as to hate him. Stay right there for a moment. Just meditate for a moment on those words from Dr. King. Let no man pull you so low as to hate him. I think uh, as we head towards Dr. King's day on Mondays, his, his quote is appropriate for what I want to get into tonight. Hate is the, probably the dominant substance in things like bombs and barriers. I, I want you to think of a place of refuge. Think of a place of refuge. Now, when I say that, maybe you go right away to the word refugee. So you picture some government-sanctioned camp or military base. Or maybe you think of something a little more even domestic, like a church or a shelter. But you probably don't picture a bathroom when I say refuge, unless you're a mom. If you're a mom, you know that locking yourself in the bathroom is the only way that you can probably escape for five minutes. Mom, Ava can't get the Skittle out of her nose. But when I say a place of refuge, it's probably not what you pictured, a bathroom. But it was, it was for Immaculate. This is Immaculate. She's gonna come up on the screen here in just a moment. She's gonna join us. Maybe you've seen her, maybe you've heard her story. And if you have, you know that it's worth hearing again. So Immaculate is not one of the 800,000 people killed in Rwanda in 94 in the genocide. See, Immaculate Her heritage is from one of the tribes in Rwanda. She was from the Tutsi tribe. And the tribe that they shared the country with, the Hutu tribe, they wanted to initiate a retaliation for one of their leaders lost. And so they began this countrywide 100-day genocide of her tribe going after machetes and blades all across the countryside, going into homes, ripping people out of their homes, men, women, children, and killing them. So to try to save their daughter and sister, Immaculate's family went to a neighbor and pleaded to hide her in his bathroom. Now, obviously, I'm showing you a picture, so she's still among us today, so it worked. But let me dive a little further into the bathroom. It was a three-by-four bathroom. Maybe some of you wish you had more bathroom space, but let me, let me continue. It was a three-by-four bathroom. Not that bad, right? Manageable. Well, she was with seven other women for 91 days. For 91 days, this bathroom would be the place where they would pray and be terrified and through thin walls could hear their 
neighbors, the rival tribe searching for them, coming into this man's house, asking him, we're searching, we're looking for everybody in this neighborhood that's from this tribe. 91 days. You imagine? It's not like I want you to go into some National Geographic, like uncharted territory. Like this was, they had, they had civilization and com- they were a community. These two tribes were neighbors. Some of them even married one another. And then during that genocide, killed one another. Yes, yeah, so yeah, spouses, some of them chose to kill their Tutsi spouses because they would rather have them do it than the angry tribe of people that were strangers. Can you imagine being on the opposite end of that kind of hostility, that type of advancing barrier at your life because of who you are, where you're from? Man, well, thank God we're over here in the Western states, right? Where we don't, we don't have to deal with that type of hostility and aggression and division and advancement at us. Well, as long as you're from the right hood and you're rocking the right colors and you're throwing up the right set. What I'm talking about is I know these statistics have changed, but in 2012, there were 30,000 gangs in America. 15,000 of homicides a year were attributed some way related to gang activity. Yeah, but Spence, but that's crime. That's obvious that that type of animosity and division is happening over there. That kind of stuff don't happen over here in politics. Where we talk it out and we agree and we get along and we, if we disagree, we shake hands and we're friends at the end of the day, yeah. And those of us who follow politics, we're the same. We ain't got no problem with somebody that's got a problem with our vote. We ain't got no problem with the other wing. I mean, I'll prove it. Let me, let me tell you something that one of our late senators said. Before John McCain passed away, he said this, we weaken our greatness when we confuse our patriotism with tribal rivalry. That sounds like Rwanda. But he's talking about us. When we confuse our patriotism with tribal rivalries that have sown resentment, hatred, and violence in all corners of the globe. We weaken it when we hide behind walls rather than tear them down. Let me, I know, let me move away from politics because I know me just being on politics is already making some of us get out our bricks and our mortar and start to build around some protection around us because who's in this room? Let me just move away from that. Let me move on to something else a little easier to talk about, like, oh, I don't know, racism. Racism? What's that? You mean, like, like discriminating or, or, or not liking or, or being harmful to somebody because of the color of their skin or ethnicity? That's, that's ridiculous. That's so petty and absurd. I mean, that's almost as bad as, like, being hostile or aggressive at somebody at a ball game because they're wearing the opposite team. Meanwhile, the real true headline says, man assaulted an Orioles game in critical condition. Right about now, if you brought a guest tonight, you're leaning over to them and you're saying, 
I'm sorry, he's not normally like this. He normally has a lot of jokes. He must be fighting with his wife. And she always wins and he has to buy him shoes to make up for it. It's obvious, right? This is an age-old global problem. And thankful for us tonight, we have an age-old solution. And here at Lifehouse, we like to call it the Bible. But I warn you, even that, even what we're looking to as the solution to this problem, the Bible, when wielded in the hands of faulty humans, can become just another reason why two people go running to the opposite ends despising one another. And I'm not only talking about those that believe in it and those that don't. I'm talking about two individuals that could believe in it and still despise one another because of how the way they see it. Some of the most impenetrable barriers in our life of division and animosity are the barriers that got a steeple at the top. But nonetheless, we're going to look to this Bible tonight. Because if you're here tonight, if you're watching online, which many of you are, and we're not mad that you played it safe. We just live on the edge here, that's all. Please, all y'all drive safe. I don't want that on my mind. You're here tonight because you, you believe. You believe that there's another way that we should be on this planet together. So let's look to the solution. We're going to look in the book tonight of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 2. We're going to start in verses 12 and 13. And what I want you to know about this passage of Scripture, we've been looking at it. This is from the Apostle Paul. You're sitting in a church because people like Paul, they fought for and built the church. And he's talking to a group of believers like many of us in here or many of you watching online. And if, if tonight, if you're not a believer or you're not sure, please, this tonight, this is a message of inclusion, not exclusion. I want you to know you're in a place tonight where you could actually make the decision to trust in this Jesus that we believe in. But even if you don't, you want to hear this. Because at our core, none of us want to fight with anybody. Some, some people do. Some people do, but it's not people like you who are here, who are watching online. You've come because you're looking to make a connection with God and a connection with people. So let's just look to the instructions on how to do it. Paul's talking to this group of believers that at one time didn't actually fit in or belong. Maybe you felt like that. Maybe even tonight. Maybe you're a guest. Shout out to all of our guests. If you came in, we hope, I hope that we made you feel at home. Because coming to a church can be an awkward thing, and you can feel like an outsider if you don't have the lingo or if your Bible isn't big enough and it's not one of those handy-dandy cases. Look around. Nobody from LifeHouse brings their Bible anymore anyway. We're, they're lazy. We put the scripture up on the screen for you, so you're, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. You fit in here. We're going to jump into this passage of scripture. Paul's talking to a group of folks called the Gentiles. And Gentile basically meant anybody who was not of the Jewish faith, and actually biologically Jewish. Because the Jewish people were God's chosen people, so everybody knew that they were on the inside. They had the connection to God. 
So everybody else was known as a Gentile. They even had certain arrangements and rules and regulations and ways they could interact. But something special happened to them and to the entire planet. And Paul opens and he reminds them. Let me dive in. He says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. There was a day. There was a day when you were not on the inside. There was a day when you were an outsider. There was. And then maybe you even felt some hostility or you felt some, some barriers up that you couldn't get through, that you couldn't connect with. You, you were. You were part of that before Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. You did not know the covenant promises of God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, now you've been united with Christ, with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have, brought, now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. He's summing it all up and he's saying this. Jesus brings us to God. Jesus brings us to God. Why is that important? When I say us, I mean that we all were in the same state as like the Gentiles. God had a squad and we were not part of it. And we were all given from birth these building materials. And with these building materials like bricks and, and tools, we, we've shaped our life with actions and thoughts and behaviors and culture and the ways that we live. Some of those bricks were bricks of maybe division, maybe segregation. Some of these bricks were the very bricks that would divide us from people. And the mortar, the mortar, the, the, the substance that keeps it all together, well, that's our sin nature. It's the very reason why these, these bricks are what they're made of. And this sin nature is what makes us use these actions and thoughts and ways of life in a way that we think is building this wall to protect us or keep us away from those we don't want to connect with or don't agree with or wish wasn't even on the planet. We just put it all together with this mortar of sin, this nature that all the while we thought we were building a protective wall from us and others, it really was just building a barrier between us and God. Because God is not sin and God cannot have sin, but yet that's exactly the material that we're working with building this wall. So how does Jesus bring us to God? Well, Jesus became the wrecking crew. Jesus became the one-man demolition. Jesus didn't want a wall between us and the God that made us with all these bricks of division and separation and hostility and judgment and anger, and I'm better than you. He didn't want that wall between us and God, so he threw himself through it to the point where it cost him his life. When Jesus died on the cross, he was laying his life down to forgive us of these things that we do towards other people and to God. He ripped through the wall. He demolished it. And that gave us forgiveness. And that gave us now access to God. 
There's no barrier between us and God anymore. But not only did Jesus die. See, God's always wanted us to be connected with him and connected to others. So because of that, he brought his own son back to life. He, bra he brings Jesus back to life. So that not only can we be connected to God, but that we can be connected to others. Like, I don't want to date myself. My birthday's next month, but I'm old enough to remember the Berlin Wall coming down. Anybody else in the room? You can be honest. You can tell you. Anybody else remember the Berlin Wall coming down? I'm not the only one that, that remembers that. I just, maybe it's hazy and I can't see. When the Berlin Wall came down, people from East and West Berlin flocked to one another. The wall had come down. The wall that divided them was torn down, and now people could be reunited. That was the scene of Jesus putting himself through the wall of division between us and God. And not only made a way for us and God, it made a way for us to connect with him and to connect with people. Paul's trying to nail this home to the Gentiles because he knows how they feel. He knows they feel excluded. He knows they feel on the outside and he's trying to remind them, no, 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 no. You're one of us now. You belong. And he proves it to him. Let me go back into the scripture. He starts nailing away at this with them. He continues in verses 14, says, Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility, the one that we have towards God and the one that we think we got to have towards others that separated us. He did it by ending the system of the law with its commandments and its regulations. This is probably why one of the, I'm, I'm, go back for me, Waylon. This, this is probably why people are hesitant to come to church because they think this barrier is still there. Are these commandments and these rules and regulations? We know God has a standard, but what Jesus did was become it. Keep going. He made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles. Watch this. Creating in himself one New people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. So now our hostilities toward each other were put to death. He's saying Jesus brings us to God and God brings us together. Jesus brings us to God God brings us together. I know. I know you got 101 reasons when you go through your Rolodex of people that you've written off. I know you have 101 reasons of why you would never be able to reconcile to this person or see that kind of person as somebody worthy to be around why you still see this people group as someone you despise. I know there's 101 reasons why you would never want to connect with somebody else to protect yourself from them or because you don't want to bulldoze over their life with the way you are. If anybody had a reason not to be connected or reconciled to somebody, it was Immaculate. 
91 days later, she and the other girls are finally able to emerge from this bathroom that's been their home of terror. Two of the girls didn't make it. Died of malnourishment and just overall died from the experience. Immaculate was like 105 pounds when, he, when she went in. She was 65 when she came out. And her family was dead. Parents, brothers, gone. She didn't need 101 reasons to hate somebody from a Hutu tribe. She needed one. You hate me, and you killed my family. I got no reason to connect with you ever again. I don't even want you alive. She travels the world telling her story. That's how I found out about her. So she's used to traveling with camera crews and photographers and videographers and journalists and things like that. She takes a trip back to Rwanda, to her home. She's showing one particular news entity her story and shows them the bathroom, the home that they were in, all that. While they're there, this man comes out of one of the fields, sees what's going on, and he recognizes Immaculate. He knows who she is. He also knows that now she has a following and a story. And so he asks if he can have a picture with her. And the journalist describes it as she unreluctantly just accepts, smiles, takes a picture with him. He's Hutu. He's from the Hutu tribe. Not only that, he was with the group that killed her family. I don't want to over-glorify her story. I just want you to put that up against your reasons right now. Put it up against everything you've ever been taught. Put it up against every struggle you've ever had to accept someone, to make someone feel welcome. It wasn't easy for her. If she would take you back into that bathroom, she would tell you that she prayed every day. She prayed every day. One of the prayers that she would pray often is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And sometimes she was actually literally asking God, could you feed us today? And forgive us our debts as we I can see her getting to that line and pausing. Forgive us our debts as we... Nope, 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 nope. And for 91 days, she would wrestle with that. 
forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Macaulay didn't want to live in hate. She wanted to live in love. Even if it meant loving an enemy. Dr. King says it this way. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. That you could take a picture around even though they violated you in the worst way. That you actually have a reason. Because what I'm contesting is some of us don't even have any reasons why we don't like people or don't want to be around them or can't stand them. And she had a real one. God doesn't want us, you guys, fighting one another. He doesn't like two W's and the number three being talked about. He doesn't want us despising each other, discriminating, alienating. He doesn't want that. And so when we're like that, it hurts. But just imagine for a moment, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus calls us the salt of the world. We're the flavor of the world. We're the, we're the church. Those that believe in him are what adds flavor to this world, flavor of salvation. And I can't help but think, I'm going to talk just to the church right now. I can't help but think that when the church behaves this way, it's like salt in the wound. And not only does God not want people at odds with one another, he especially don't want it in the church. He doesn't want people within a church hating and despising one another or being intolerant. And he doesn't want churches beefing with other churches. Which is like I said in the beginning, the barriers that we build around us to go to church and are some of the ones that are the most hardest to penetrate. But the whole reason that Jesus gave his light to tear down that barrier between us and God was so that we could be with him and be with each other. I want to show you something special. Look at this picture. We've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I want you to know that this picture is actually answered prayer from the previous 21 days of prayer and fasting in the previous 21 days of prayer and fasting in the previous 21 days of prayer and fasting in the previous 21 days of prayer and fasting. Patrick, I love you. Thank you. Thank you for caring about my hometown, a town that I at one point despised myself. I love it. I'm glad I'm here. And I'm glad that God sent you here. And I'm glad that he sent you here for this. I'm glad he sent you here to be a voice for our city and for the church in our city. This, this type of stuff is not supposed to happen. Because even church folk got a problem with each other if you don't read the word of God the same way we read it. And if you don't, you got to stay over in your corner. Don't you come near my church front yard. Don't you do that. Like we're literally like that with each other. What you see on this stage here, this is at our prayer gathering meeting that happened at Gateway Ministries. 
There's four denominations on this stage. About three different colors, because these two brothers are about the same shade. Two genders and one family on this stage. Maybe you've heard this illustration before, like in marriage counseling or something, but when this person over here has an issue with this person over here, if both of us are looking to Jesus and heading his direction, it is inevitable that you're supposed to come together. There's no reason why you should not be heading the same direction as somebody else that's heading towards Jesus. In the story of Immaculate, you, did you even wonder why this neighbor was okay to give that Immaculate was her family, why they chose this neighbor? Why didn't they die? Why weren't they killed? Because the man was from the Hutu tribe. He was supposed to have a problem with them even asking that. He was supposed to meet them at the front door with a machete and cut them down. What was special about this man is that he was a pastor which means he didn't see tribe. He didn't see enemy. He didn't see division. He saw people. And he set aside his tribal agenda. In our world, he said, you could say he set aside his political agenda. He set aside his personal agenda. He set it aside for God's agenda. That's what we're supposed to be doing. I, I fear something about our banner. I'm not telling you guys today that you need to go find your enemy and reconcile to them. I'm not telling you that you need to go outside of here and place yourself in a situation that you've never been in to get used to people. That would be great. I'm just saying, how about we start right here? Because I'm afraid of our banner. I'm afraid of our banner that says, welcome home. I'm afraid that sometimes it might say, welcome home. I think I see a seat for you way over there. It just says, welcome home, period. Whether that's right beside me or right beside somebody else here, I know they're going to care for you the same because you're family. So I want you to put this into action in the most simplest way. Some of us are afraid to connect to people because of things within us or what we fear about them. Tonight, we are in our group launch this weekend. We are promoting and, and presenting to you guys and encourage you to get involved in our life groups. This is the first and easiest and most tangible way to live out welcome home because it goes beyond this church. 
It means you might actually welcome someone into your home. Welcome home to your home. Sit on your couch where the dog has chewed the arm off. You leave tonight out in the lobby. Our life group leaders are there. Some of y'all just been hanging around saying, this is as far as I'm going to go. This pew right here, and you sit in the same pew. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I sit in the same spot. I'm okay with that. But I'm in a life group. This is probably the weekend that you need to be nudged to do this. You need to go out there and talk to someone. You need to look on our website. You need to text Wilson and it'll send you all the life groups and you need to get involved in one. You need to connect with people, people who don't look like you, people who don't think like you. Yes, sometimes you can hang with people that look like you and you should and you probably will, but it can't be everything. People is your boundary, period. Here's how we're going to close today. I want you to know if you're here today and you never made a decision for Jesus, you can make that today. He tore down the wall that was a barrier between you and God with his life. And all you need to do is put your faith in it and ask him, Jesus, I want that today. I believe in that today. And if you do need to let somebody know you made that decision today. The way we're going to close today is with communion. I'm going to invite our hospitality team and come and get it. I'm going to hand out communion to you. Communion is the best picture of why Jesus gave his life and what God intended for us to be connected to him and connected to others. Because Jesus sat around with his disciples who were all walks of life, one of them even on the verge of betraying him. And he sat down with them and he made them his family and his community. And this is where he shared the greatest story of all of life, how he would come and give his life for us. And so before we do that, I just want to lead us in a moment of quiet reflection like the Bible instructs. And maybe today I'm going to be specific about what you need to reflect about. So if you would just take a moment right now as you get your, get your juice and your cup, as you get that, just go into a quiet reflection moment right now. You can pray, you can bow your head, it doesn't matter. But maybe what you need to think about is this, God, what boundaries do I have up against others? What reasons do I have for being on an island of my own? What, what reasons do I have for being disconnected or judgmental or, or contributing to all the things that are wrong with humanity in this planet? God, show me. Take that time. Allow a moment for just you and God. Pastor Jay will come up shortly and take us through communion. But right now, make it about God. and Make it about the community he wants you to be a part of. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.